Now for Raising the Bar, Greater RVA's premier law talk radio show. Good morning and welcome to Raising the Bar, the law talk radio show. This is Colleen Quinn. I am your host for this morning's show. Um, We will have the show every Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock, talking about different areas of the law, bringing in different experts uh, in the law. And with me today is Dr. Mason Sheehan. Uh, Dr. Mason Sheehan runs a business called FIT, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means in a minute. But let me tell you a little bit more about me and my law firm. My law firm is Locke & Quinn. We're located in Willow Lawn. Uh, and we are right next to the Chipotle. So I tell folks that you can come get all your legal needs as well as your big beefy burrito and your guacamole all at once. Um, and now, since Dr. Sheehan's office is close to me, you can come get your healthcare needs as well, uh, right all in one convenient location. So at Lock and Quinn, we are personal injury and family law attorneys. And one of the things that we often have the need for is to refer our clients to good healthcare providers that can help them if they've been injured to have a faster recovery. Um, and vice versa, sometimes healthcare providers uh, refer their patients over to us as attorneys to help them get a a better recovery um, or a good outcome um, if they have a lawsuit. So, Dr. Sheehan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Really happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit, what does FIT, F-I-T-T, mean? Um, FIT stands for uh, Functional Integrated Therapy and Training. And, and what is that? What is what is that? Uh, we combine uh, functional movement exercises with uh, spinal manipulation to uh, help our patients the best they can. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your background in education. Um, I have a Bachelor of Science in Biology and a Doctor of Chiropractic. Okay. And Dr. Sheehan, how long have you been in this field? I've been practicing for 15 years now. Wow. Good job. Nice. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your opinion on uh chiropractic maintenance treatment versus somebody coming in to be treated for an injury? Uh, Chiropractic maintenance is more like a a lifestyle change, um, but when they have an injury, it's a little bit of a different treatment plan. Um, If someone was in a car accident, I generally do not do maintenance after we kind of fix the injury. I would uh, suggest suggest for their checkups, but I would not add that to their treatment plan. So basically... um, is the thought there that once you've done a couple of manipulations, if you're out of alignment, you're pretty much going to be back in alignment, so there's no need to keep coming frequently for a lot more spinal manipulations? Or is it that um, that your treatment is more along the lines of uh, kind of focusing on getting the person more fit as opposed to the spinal manipulation? Or just talk a little bit more about exactly what you do. We, we try to uh, teach the patient how to treat themselves um, okay. with a home exercise program. So, um, it's not going to say they're never going to need a manipulation for the rest of their life, but uh, seeing me you know, every three weeks for the rest of your life is something I'm not going to recommend in my office. Um, it is a different lifestyle. Some people choose to do that, and, it, and it's just kind of a different business model for certain chiropractors. So you're not really one of the chiropractors that um, believes in doing a long-term maintenance program? No, we usually set goals, um, and when they're, when they're feeling better, we release them, and uh, we just put them on per-required need after that. If they need us, um, give us a call. We'll be there for them. Gotcha. So I, I was looking mm-hmm. online last night, and I was amazed at the number of really bad chiropractor <laughs> jokes. There are about as many bad chiropractor jokes as there are lawyer jokes. <laughs> Um, but I, I did see one uh, coffee mug which said uh, chiropractors could be a little manipulative on it. So <laughs> that is that. true. <laughs> so, um, well, tell us a little bit. 
about how physical therapy or the, that um, concept fits into what you do. Because I know you don't call yourself a physical therapist, but you do a lot of things in terms of uh, rehabbing the body, um, which, which are similar. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. In my office, the, the plan is about 70%, you know, rehabilitation or physical therapy. Uh, manipulation is, is definitely important, but I, I generally don't manipulate the entire spine. Every, every time you come in, I'll watch you move. We'll put you in certain positions, watch you breathe. And, we, and when I see restrictions, then, then I'll usually manipulate or use some sort of soft, soft tissue manipulation. Okay. You know? And you, we were talking a little bit yeah. earlier um, before we got on the show about uh, your, your studying and becoming trained in D and S. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there's so many new things out there yeah. that are really moving away from what we consider traditional, you know, cracking the spine type care. Yeah, DNS, it's very interesting. Um, it is based out of the Czech Republic. Uh, Dr. Pavel has really um, taken on uh, Dr. Voita's um, reflex locomotion. And it's, it's a way of, you know, it's, it's almost like reverse chiropractic is the easiest way to think about it. It is, uh, you know, reprogramming the central nervous system to remember how to move because all our movements are pre-programmed in our central nervous system, but an injury or long time sitting at school, we kind we of forget how to move. So DNS can really turn on like what we call inhibited muscles. They're not atrophied, but they're just not working the way they used to. So we, we put you in certain positions and we turn on these muscles so they can function properly. And so this is kind of a, a new mindset in terms of how you approach healing. It, it is new um, and every pretty much every Every physical therapy or chiropractic plan is is based on the book Craig Liebenson. And everything, like even uh, they, they based all, all rehab plans on him, but he's responsible for bringing DNS to this country. Okay, you know, nice. You know. And um, we also talked a little bit about X. XOS or oh, it's called Exos. Okay, um, um, it's definitely it's a way to you know teach kids how to run. Um, I was I was watching uh, my kids' soccer team and they're, they're, they're great skills. You know they're even they're really fast off the the, the mark. Uh, they don't um, Exos really teaches kids how to like um, accelerate faster and absolute speed. Absolute speed is about after twelve yards. That's their how fast they can actually go. So there's certain exercises you can teach kids to actually go faster at that. And also turning multi-directional speeds in sports is very important. If you can't turn fast enough, you're not you're not going to be able to run against your opponent. So this is really teaching uh, the body how to move naturally the way we mm -hmm. were intended to move before we ended up sitting at desks all day long. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, the exercise program is usually about 70 minutes. It starts with a pillar prep, warm-up. We do movement prep. Um, in our office, we have uh, 40 yards of turf, and we, and we can actually watch uh, kids and adults run and, and figure out and actually predict you know certain injuries that are going to happen. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a car accident, let's say. And um, this lawyer named Colleen Quinn sends, sends me over to your, to your office because you're close by. Yeah. Um, and I have um, back and neck pain. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm also an aerobic instructor on mm -hmm. the side. So I'm in, I'm in relatively good shape, yeah. but I'm, I'm 54 years old. So um, what type of treatment do you put me through and what would my expected prognosis be? Well, if you do a lot of aerobics, you're probably not going to stop working out. We do have, you're right we, about we, that. We do have that problem. Um, so I try to educate them in the beginning. It's like if they could rest for about two weeks to let the inflammation process happen, like that's your body's way of you know healing itself. If there's a sprain strain, there's there's going to be some sort of microscopic muscle tear, and your body's going to have to add like new collagen fibers there. So if you can rest and not restart that inflammatory process over again, that would be our initial you know, way to way to treat you. And of course, we do a case history. I'll get to know you and be like, oh, it's like to work out a lot <laughs> so we're going to ask her maybe just you know do the 
um, what is it? There's always a, in the classes, there's always a modified version. I'm right, like, I'm, right. Like, I'm like, use the modified version instead of like trying to do the plank when <laughs> you shouldn't be doing the right. plank. Right, get, get, <laughs> get down on your knees. Yeah, and, yeah, and, use your knees yeah, and, and, your and do the modified version for a while. Exactly, yeah. Well, and, and basically, you're not going to have the same endorphin level and you'll be yeah. a little grumpy for yeah. those two weeks while yeah, you're yeah, letting your body rest. Yeah, usually grumpy because there's no way to get away from the pain. But after about, you know, three to four weeks, um, you'll be able to move a certain way and then it'll hurt. But when you go back to normal, you know, the, the pain will kind of recede. So tell me, kind of walk me through mm. what would the treatment be um, mm. if I came in? And so I, you've, you've allowed me, you've told me that I need to rest for those two weeks. I've been mm. a little grumpy because I'm not able to move as much. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but now tell me what you 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 do when I come in uh, to get treatment. Um, there's usually a, there's always a case history because you got to get to know your patient. There could be pre-existing conditions. Um, the first two weeks is mainly passive care. And then I usually do another re-exam because all the ortho-neuro tests that I would do are going to hurt no matter what. So after about two weeks, you get more of a definitive diagnosis. You can actually find out what's actually going on with the patient. And uh, like three years ago, they actually changed all the diagnosis. You may have noticed this. And they're, they're, just, they're a lot more specific. You know, it's not just cervical radiculitis anymore. They want to know what vertebrae it's actually coming from. So after about two weeks, we can figure out what exactly the, pro- the problem is. So the test, what are the tests that you do to determine what's going on? Um, um, there's cervical compression test. I would never do that in the beginning because the patient was just in an accident. You're just going to make things worse. And, but, um, most of the times it's, it's, you, you ask, it's subjective. That's what the patient tells you. And, and then it's objective what we, what we see. And, uh, so it's more with an accident, you can, if the pain is shooting down the arm, it's, that's more of what we do. I, and my, if I push on their neck, it's always going to hurt. So right. it's referred pain patterns tell us a lot. Okay. And the passive treatment, what would that be? In the beginning, it's just nice. You want to make them feel better. Um, I usually recommend ice the first three days, but the jury's not in on that. Um, so um, I usually just go what feels better. Right. We, um, we, hear, we yeah. hear ice versus yeah. heat and yeah. there's some controversy. and There is. I mean, they're always doing new studies, which is, which is good. Um, but there's always going to be an exacerbation sometimes through treatment. So if we've, if we've got away from ice and then we've gotten to heat and maybe they did aerobics too hard, they might want to try ice for a day or two. Gotcha. <laughs> and so after the passive care, I take it you move into more active yeah, slowly care. Slowly move into active and you add resistance in uh, uh, slowly. Okay. So are you using weights, bands, um, extra tubes? What kind of, what kind of things would be, what I envision? <laughs> I have everything you can imagine, <laughs> but it's, it's so much fun. It's like, you're a kid again. You get to buy all these cool toys and like, Hey, look, they're fun. They help you feel better. But, uh, mostly we use bands. Um, we eventually, uh, move into kettlebells if, if they can very light in the beginning, but we want to like put patients on a goal and be like, Hey, once you feel better, you know, the exercise never ends. You know, if you do aerobics a lot, you can see it gets harder and harder and harder and and functional movement pretty much never ends either we can always get better okay so you're allowing the inflammation to die down on first and then you're basically working on re-strengthening and and getting more flexibility uh yeah mostly a strength and flexibility you want to get to full range of motion um but uh the body's going to go through like a six-month healing process. You know, we see them for about six to eight weeks, but then they, they really have to continue with their exercises. So you that know, the home exercises are really critical. They're almost more important <laughs> than the gotcha. treatment I give. Yeah. So um, you mentioned about that six-month time frame. Does that vary depending on the person? For example, if it's an older person with arthritis or somebody that's had fibromyalgia? That That is always a problem. It all depends on the, our age. You know, if there's pre-existing disc degeneration, they're going to have a little bit more trouble. You know, because the the facet joints are closer together, and sometimes they can 
if, if they get hit really hard in a car accident, you know, the problem is a lot, it's mainly acceleration. It's not usually um, the blunt force trauma. It's just like they go from a certain speed to another speed. So the, the facets can kind of like scrape. And if there's not a lot of room in there, they can scrape a little bit more. The muscles are tighter. The ligaments are a little bit smaller. Okay. Um, so that recovery period mm-hmm. can vary. Yeah, it's usually a little bit slower the older we get. You know, like up until 50, it's usually good. But once they get 60, 70 years old, um, you got the treatment's a little bit slower and maybe a little bit longer. So if um, I was coming to see you for that six to eight week period, (laughs) (laughs) um, how frequently does somebody typically uh, come to see you? That varies. Um, People don't like to miss work anymore. You know, so in, in this day and age, people need a job. So I... In the beginning, I I would like to see them three or four times the first week, and then I usually get them down to twice a week. Okay. You know? um, but sometimes they can't make that, so we, we're there for them. You know, right. I'm not going to sit there and yell at them, like, you need to get in here. Um, I'm like, I'm here for you. That's what I tell my patients. You get here when you can, and we'll do our best. And um, that we find that mm-hmm. I find that with my clients that sometimes mm-hmm. um, adhering to mm-hmm. the treatment plan can be difficult. And you know, basically, if they can flex their hours or do anything to make sure that they mm-hmm. stay steady with the treatment, it seems like that is pretty important. Yeah, that's why we generally stay open late, so they don't have to miss work. Or we have uh, rushes like eight o'clock, ten o'clock, two o'clock, and then usually from like five to seven thirty. And when people are getting off work, we're we're usually pretty busy, and it helps the patient because emotion. Emotional issues during this this time is, is you got to work on those too. You know you don't want to be stressing a patient out and say you need to stick to your treatment plan. When you know they got four kids, <laughs> you know and they're just right. trying to make it to. They're dealing with traffic to get to you. They may walk in and be like, okay, we're not going to do exercise today. How about just some massage and heat? <laughs> and then you can go home and you know cook dinner for your kids or you know see your kids. <laughs> well, that's nice that you have those those uh, late night those yeah. later hours for <laughs> folks. I, I think I might come over to your office just for the massage and heat, just for yeah, the yeah, heck yeah. of it. <laughs> massage feels good. People love massage. That's why. I have a massage therapist that work for me. <laughs> Sounds like I could use that some days after, after uh, a day of depositions or, or, or court. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how uh, billing works because nowadays, uh, you know, I have clients that will come in that they don't have health insurance mm-hmm. and um, I have to figure out who can they be treated by, mm-hmm. how can they heal, um, and see somebody that's willing to work with them and maybe take a lean on the on the case, on the auto accident case, or if it's a premises liability case in that regard. So talk a little bit about um, how payments work, especially if somebody doesn't have health insurance. A lot of times, if someone doesn't have health insurance and they, uh, they go to a different doctor's office, there's going to be a huge bill because they don't have negotiated rates with certain insurance companies. And all of a sudden they're getting paid their full rate. Instead of making a hundred dollars a visit, they're billing out $300 a visit. Um, I try not to do that, <laughs> you know, um, and especially like if you try to make attorney relationships, you can't give them $9,000 bills over and over and over and over. You generally just keep it, you know, around a certain level that's not going to uh, stress the patient out, uh, mess up their settlement. I, I try to work like that because you got to think about the patient, too. You can't just be all greedy and like, oh, yeah, I have a personal injury case. I can run this huge bill. I would definitely just I'd like to keep them down. But you are yeah. one of those healthcare mm-hmm. providers that is willing to work with someone that doesn't have health insurance and go ahead and take a lean on on the case. Oh, um, always. You know, I'm willing to just make it work out for everybody, Dan. Yeah. Know, it works out nice and you don't wanna it's just 
you know, just try to help out the patient, you know, and then if, if I have a certain bill, their treatment went a little bit longer, you know, I, I might have to like take a, a payment cut, you know, right. and at the end of the day, they felt better, they refer, and it just, it works out better that way. Well, I can tell you yeah. from the attorney side, working with a lot mm-hmm. of injured clients, you know, they're in pain, mm-hmm. they're oftentimes um, having to miss work, mm-hmm. um, so um, their finances are strapped, and if they don't have health insurance, then that those bills just add so much more stress to what what they're already um, undergoing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, when they know that they're working uh, hand in glove with a good healthcare provider mm-hmm. and yeah. an attorney, so that they know that eventually their treatment costs are going to come out of you know whatever the settlement or the results are mm-hmm. in the case. Um, it just gives them such a sense of relief, which I I can't help but think must help some with them being able to heal and focus on healing. Oh, I usually spend about two or three visits explaining that to the patient because they do get nervous, you know, especially if they don't have health insurance. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, not everybody's making a lot of money. And uh, they're like, what is my bill going to be? And I'm like, I always tell them, don't worry, we'll figure this out at the end. You know, I'm not going to ruin an attorney relationship <laughs> you know, and not take a cut on your bill. I just think it works out better that way. Absolutely. You know? yeah. um, so let's talk a little bit about... Um, a lot of folks don't realize that chiropractors can go to court and talk about treatment and, um, you know, medical doctors are able to do that. But we also have a special um, section in our Virginia code that basically says that a chiropractor can serve as an expert witness. And I know that you've you've been an expert witness before in some cases, correct? Uh, I, I've done it. I'll be honest, it's not the most fun thing to do in the world, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> it's a little nerve-wracking the first time, couple of times I did it because someone's asking you about your treatment, about they go through every page and ask you the same question over and over and over, and then just kind of like waiting for you to mess up one little time. But, well, that's uh, the defense <laughs> attorney. Yeah, 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 that's not you. <laughs> but I, I generally don't mind it anymore yeah. but uh, it, uh yes in, in the state we we can uh, testify as expert witnesses well i was an insurance defense attorney for the first 10 years out of 30 years of practice so i i, I knew what it, i know what it's like grilling the uh, the doctor so um and going through their uh, their report page by page and trying to find any little thing that you can you could poke at yes so um but it, it is um helpful when you you can come and you can talk specifically to the judge exactly about what treatment you've you've rendered to the patient. And I find it's especially helpful when your bill is reasonable because the whether it's the cases before a judge or jury, um, it it presents so much better. Um, we've had some cases where the chiropractic bill um, is uh, extremely extremely high. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it becomes a little bit suspect um, in terms of the level of treatment that's been rendered. And I know your bills from having worked with you are extremely reasonable. <laughs> yes, I try to keep them reasonable. I mean, I know a chiropractor who sends the same bill in every time he gets a personal injury <laughs> patient. <laughs> it's like, yeah, cookie cutter. <laughs> yeah. So um, one thing that is a little bit different is when we file in general district court, we are able to get an affidavit from you as opposed to you coming in person um, along with your report. And let's talk a little bit about that um, reporting because I've seen, um, I've seen reports that are really good that help the judge and I've seen other reports that are not so helpful. So let's talk a little bit about that, about that reporting process. (laughs) Notes are important. Um, um, I don't do a lot of narratives. 
you know, unless the attorney asked me for it. And if I do, I'll spend a little time doing it and I'll send a little bit of a bill. <laughs> but, uh, and the same as like testifying, if I go there, there's usually a charge for it. Well, but, you, uh, we, yeah. you yeah. should charge for your yeah, time. It's valuable. I have to close my yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, definitely like notes are important. If, uh, I don't agree with doing the same thing every time. If you do something five or six times, it's not working. You should be changing up your treatment plan. And if you're doing that, it, it looks like you're, you know, you're a student. You're paying paying attention to your patient. You know, you don't want to treat them ten times, and they they're they're still a nine <laughs> out of ten on the on the pain level scale. If not, if that's not helping, you know, change it up a little bit. Right. You know? Right. So uh-huh. going back to your um y- your. <laughs> shop, let's say, yeah. or your, your, your place of business. Yes. I'm almost envisioning mm-hmm. kind of a romper room um, <laughs> with the, the kettlebells yeah. and the bands. And I, I take it, do you have the large balls? Um, There's lots of balls all over the place. Um, kids are welcome in their office. They're always kicking them all over the place. <laughs> but it's a, it's a lot of, it's, it looks like a, a, like, a, like a romper room, like toys. My kids love to come hang out there. They run up and down on the turf. They're jumping on the balls around the tables, sitting around. We generally, and I got to tell like, patients you know you can bring your kid it doesn't bother me but it definitely looks like a it's a playground <laughs> i imagine some of the styrofoam rollers or yeah, foam rollers yeah. uh, i like foam rolling i, I don't like oh uh, i don't suggest mashing yourself to death on them it's more like a warm-up you know but uh, they do help <laughs> gotcha uh, it sounds like a real family-friendly environment we, we, we try yeah <laughs> for, for folks to come yeah. to yeah so um if somebody does come to you and they've been in an accident um and they don't have an attorney um, typically, what do you talk to them about? It, it depends on the severity of their injury. If if they uh, just go get an ER bill, and I just think they need a couple of visits, and I, I I say you may be able to do this on your own. You know, it all depends on the adjuster they're dealing with. But if they if it, it they tend to go see multiple doctors, orthopedics, um, chiropractor, physical therapist, you know, they may want to consult an attorney because you know at the end of the day, the attorney can like negotiate those bills for them at the end. Yeah, the attorneys, um, oftentimes we're seeing a lot of folks who do have health insurance now have a lien by the health insurance company. So if it's Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever. Um, So another thing besides negotiating um, some of the medical bills is also negotiating those those liens with the insurance companies. And uh, we also sometimes will have to negotiate uh, liens with Medicare or Medicaid or with the workers' comp providers. And so it actually turns out that sometimes we're, we're spending more time on lien negotiation than we are on proving the actual, you know, who ran the red light type case. Yes, I, I see that happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, we also typically, if, if, if somebody's referred to me, you know, if they've only just had an emergency room visit and they haven't gone to see uh, somebody like you for additional treatment, I will just honestly tell them, look, at this is a case you can settle on your own. Um, you know, it's this is the approximate value of the case and there's no point in having an attorney, you know, take one third of that. Oh, that's nice recovery. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, it, it, it's if, if it's a small recovery like that, it, it's really um, they can get that resolved on their own. Gotcha. Um, but typically, if they've gone for treatment such as with you, then the case is going to be um, a larger case that most insurance adjusters are not going to put the p- full value on unless there's an attorney there that's packaged it. And so when we come back from the break, um, I'll talk. let's talk a little bit more about um, how it works on my end when I'm going to claim package the case and how important it is that the records and bills <laughs> and everything I get from you are easy to use. And we will be right back with... Raising the Bar. You've been the listening to show. Raising the Bar, Greater Richmond's premier law talk radio show. 
Now, back to Raising the Bar. And we are back to Raising the Bar, the Law Talk Radio Show. I am Colleen Quinn, your host. I'm an attorney at Locke and Quinn. We are located uh, near Willow Lawn, uh, conveniently located next to the Chipotle and now the Chick-fil-A that recently opened up as well. I am here today with Dr. Mason Sheehan, and Dr. Sheehan is a chiropractor who recently moved his office very close to me. So now you can also get your healthcare needs as well as your legal needs and many different food items all in the same Willow Lawn shopping area. Uh, before the break, Dr. Sheehan and I were talking a little bit about liens, and um, the station manager here uh, indicated that um, not everybody understands what a lien is, so I'm going to go into a little bit more discussion on that. And uh, Dr. Sheehan, you yourself were in an accident recently and got a big fat bill, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and that'll help us kind of describe liens a little more. <laughs> uh I signed. A, I thought I was signing a consent form, and it turned out to be a lien. But that that just means um, um, when the third party pays the the they'll pay the you know provider directly. You know instead of like mailing the check to the patient, you know which sometimes never makes it to the doctor. So that 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 and make sure that the the provider will you know get their bill paid. Yeah. <laughs> so um, basically, if if I come to you for care, I've been in an auto accident, and um, I just need you to help me recover from my neck and back um, pain from the accident, and I don't have any health insurance, then you're going to essentially uh, take an assignment or a lien on my auto case um, in order for you to get paid for the treatment, right? Yes, I would make you sign a lien. Okay. Maybe not you. but Well, well not, not me. <laughs> most, most well, thank patients. you very much. I'm going to send you yeah. some chocolates okay, or something okay, later. <laughs> um, I'm going to definitely come over to, the, to your office and take you up on the massage. Yeah. Um, uh, sometime the massage in the heat that sounds yeah. really good in your romper room um, uh, play area uh, so in that situation and I know from working with you that your medical bills are, are nice and reasonable and it's it's easy for me to be able to get full recovery on on the, the bills that you submit so if I come to you though and I have um, health insurance then you would typically there there is some health insurance that you take or or is yeah, yeah I do take some okay yeah. so let's say I come to you and it is one of the health insurances yeah. that you take <laughs> yeah. uh, generally you would then get paid by the health insurance my health insurance correct yes yeah, so we would bill to your health insurance they would pay us directly okay and then what we're seeing though on the attorney side where I am is that now the health insurance is taking a lien on the auto case. Yeah, that is new, yes. <laughs> but and it is happening. <laughs> so um, in many of the auto cases that we have now, the first thing I do when somebody comes in is I take an inventory of all the possible liens that they might have. We had a gentleman recently, he did not have health insurance and he had gone to a lot of different medical providers. Um, and so all of them had taken assignments on the case. Mm -hmm. But his initial hospital bill was over at MCV, and MCV works through the Department of Medical Assistance Services, and they take a lien as well. So I think we resolved his case for like 45000 but about 35000 of it was all liens for medical treatment. So we ended up spending most of the time just negotiating with about 10 different medical providers, including uh, Department of Medical Assistance, um, which is basically represented by the Attorney General's office. So we spent all of that time just negotiating 
the, yeah. the leans down. <laughs> and um, I don't. I think a lot of folks uh, don't realize that um, the whole business of folks wanting to get repaid has become much larger over, over the past decade. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> so then there's another thing that I know you don't do, but some uh, medical providers do, is that they will bill the insurance so that they'll get paid by the insurance. And then they'll do what's called balance billing, where mm-hmm. they will try to bill the patient for the difference between what the health insurance paid and what their bill was. Um, which is generally a no-no because if you agree with the insurance company, you're going to take their insurance money. It's because they have a contract with the insurance company. They're supposed to take what they're paid. Exactly, exactly. So we're finding that we're having to fight a lot of these balanced billing fights as well. And um, proving the underlying who ran the red light case is yeah. becoming exceedingly easy compared to all the, the lean negotiations. Well, you may have some providers that provide things that the insurance companies don't cover. So say they have a laser or they do spinal decompression, which their insurance companies that, that they're in network worth um, don't cover, that may be sometimes when you get balance billed. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that, that is legitimate because <laughs> yes. so, you haven't gotten paid yeah. by the, the insurance for that particular service. That's correct. Right. But and some insurance companies are not even allowed to do that. <laughs> You're not supposed to anyway. <laughs> oh, you, you, you only can charge, depending on the contract that you have with yes, that particular insurance <laughs> company. Well, you know, most folks do, when they have an auto case or any type of um, injury case where somebody might be liable, it could be even a, um, an injury at a grocery store or um, we've had cases where things have fallen off of upper shelves and fallen on people and caused neck and back injuries. Um, but when those folks come in, we pretty much, I have to do a checklist of, is there a worker's compensation lien? Was it, were you injured on the job? <laughs> Is there a Medicare or Medicaid lien? Um, is there a um, health insurance lien through a health insurance company? Um, is there a TRICARE lien if they're medical? Um, is there an assignment from the medical provider? And so we, we kind of go through this checklist to figure out just how many liens are there going to be on the case? Because sometimes I have to tell the client, look at, we're not going to be able to get you much of a recovery after we have to pay back yeah, these you, various medical You guys spend providers. most of your time negotiating the bills with the doctors. Right, you know. right, which which uh, <laughs> is no fun. I know. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's bad enough trying to find out whose fault it is in this right. no-fault state. <laughs> I try to get my paralegal to do as much of the, the lien negotiations because <laughs> she's a little nicer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so also before the break, we uh, said so we were going to talk a little bit about uh, claim packages because – uh, what typically happens is somebody's in an accident and the first thing they have to do is get medical treatment. They need to heal. And we'll get the information from the police officer and the traffic accident report and also get photographs of wherever the accident happens, some Google Earth images, et cetera. Um, but we pretty much have to wait for them to stop seeing you, Dr. Sheehan, yes. before I can submit what's called the claim package. Yeah, I like to send my notes in the end. Um, some lawyers ask them they want them constantly, but I like to send them in when I'm all done. When you're, when you're all done with the treatment. Well, the, the nicest thing is when I can read your notes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you probably can't, but I try. And, uh, and then the really nice thing is when we get that nicely typewritten report, which basically kind of summarizes the notes, because then I don't have to worry about reading the notes. Yeah, um, that does help. But uh, it's really nice when we do get a nice report, like, like from your office, because that I can put in the claim package, and it just clearly explains what the treatment was, mm-hmm. um, and that 
the, the patient got better. And it's always nice when your treatment works and you can show <laughs> they got better, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, typically we will then submit uh, the bills that you provided and the report and your treatment notes um, along with the claim package and any other treatment. There might be a, an emergency room bill in addition in many cases. And then hopefully the case will resolve at that stage. Yeah, sometimes I get a uh, request for notes from the third party because they want to look at the notes too and decide what they're going to pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're checking to see was the lawyer yeah. honest and actually yeah. submitted Usually everything. It happens at the end when it's almost about to settle. That's why it's always a good time. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so basically in when we get the case in, we kind of look and see what's the value of the case. And we can file in general district court if the mm -hmm. case is under $25,000, if it's gotcha. worth under that. And that's when you get off the hook <laughs> because I don't have to have you come in person to testify. Just, yeah, I could just have it. you sign that affidavit. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you probably appreciate that. Yeah, you get the notes and I just sign, yep, I did those. <laughs> right, right. Um, however, if the case is worth more than 25000 then that's when I have to file in circuit court. Um, and that's when I give you the heads up, hey, Dr. Sheehan, I might need you to, yeah. to come testify in court. Yeah, not the, my favorite day, but I'm happy to do it. Yes, yes. So, um, But it, it is very helpful when you have those fully nicely typewritten reports that can explain the treatment that was given. Um, and since a lot of cases do settle at the claim package stage, um, or that same report can be used in general district court so it's that's really critical and I really enjoy working with you to have have um, that sort of layout as opposed to no report and just these really really badly cryptic handwritten <laughs> notes that nobody yeah. can read <laughs> I find it helps when if, if you refer back to their medical doctor and for them to actually refer for more treatment instead of just doing a long treatment plan if, if they're if they're constantly seeing their medical doctor and he's saying okay it's helping let's just do and let them tell you how many times you want to do it that seems to help out a lot yeah. so you work um, kind of Closely with the primary care doctor. Yeah, I try to get to know them, and I ask them who their primary care is. I'll, I'll usually send them like a heads up on what we're doing, and so they can see them. And then once they're done with their their first treatment plan, they can go back. And if they need to come back, it helps for the medical doctor to send them back. Yeah. And usually, I think they need that too um, yeah. for health insurance reasons, yeah. because a lot of insurance companies limit the number of visits they can have. Isn't yes? If yeah. I if I like sometimes they'll have twenty visits a year of like physical therapy, chiropractic. But if, if you send them back to their medical doctor and he suggests, you know, eight more visits, you know, the insurance company is more likely to pay it. Yes, which, which is helpful. So what, how do you determine, let's say somebody's not getting better. Um, let's talk about those situations where you might identify there's something else going mm -hmm. on. There will be numbness, uh, radiating pain, like severe pain, and pain's not getting better at all. Um, generally, um, even the health insurance companies want um, their clients to do some sort of conservative care. So that's a prerequisite for an MRI. You can't, a lot of times you can't go to your medical doctor unless there's some severe weakness, like their hand's not working or they're, they're having severe um, nerve weakness. Right. They'll send them out for an MRI right away. And or I should send out too if there's like weakness there. But generally, if there's nothing like that going on, try some conservative care. If it's not working, I usually send them back to their primary care and then they'll get them an MRI. So things like uh, tangling or down mm -hmm. the arm, numbness, weakness, mm -hmm. that might be indicators that there's nerve impingement or something more going on that's not going to... Yeah. Long-term numbness, um, that, that happens during injuries a lot. That, that'll tend to go away. But weakness is something I keep my eye on because that means there's some serious nerve impingement. Okay. Yeah. What about um, really sharp 
sharp shooting pain, that type of thing. How how do you assess that? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you do, you do certain tests to kind of figure out what's going on, what's causing it. You know, and we can put them through different motions, like a like a functional movement exam, because everything's not going to hurt. You know, and a, when a patient usually says they're in constant pain, they're really not in constant pain. It's just they they feel like they're in constant pain. Like if I can get you to move to the left, there's no pain, but you move to the right, there is pain. That's not constant. So like we can, we'll just do our normal treatment and then see if see if that improves and if it doesn't we refer out as soon as possible. And I suspect you deal mm-hmm. with folks with all different levels of pain tolerance. Would that be a fair statement? That that is, that is true. Um, usually the, the patient who claims to have a high tol- high high pain tolerance is, doesn't have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you automatically what, become suspect yeah, if you say I'm like, um. <laughs> I have a high pain yeah. tolerance. Oh, red flag. Yeah. <laughs> you become a little bit suspect yeah. there. So. Um, how does that work? Typically, do you, if you suspect there's something more going on, there might be a compressed uh, uh, disc or something, um, do you t- typically refer them back to the primary care doctor? Or are you able to refer them directly out to an MRI? What, yes, what uh, is your ability as a chiropractor in terms of uh, referring for diagnostic testing or referring to like a orthopedic surgeon or something like that. Okay. If they had Medicare or Medicaid, it would have to be the primary care, but I, I can generally refer out for, for an MRI. I like to send them to their primary care because it usually happens quicker, and I like them to do the paperwork instead of me, but I, I can if I need to. If they don't have a primary care, which has happened sometimes, um, we have a few MRI places and radiology places that will work on assignment because an MRI is not, you know, Cheap. It's not cheap so, at all. But no. it would be nice for them to wait for their settlement to end to, to get paid for it. So we work with a few of those. Yeah. That's nice, too, to know that there are MRI yeah. places. Yeah, they do exist. <laughs> They're, not yes. hard. They're not easy to find, but they do exist. And what about referring out to uh, a specialist, like an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon or mm-hmm. neurologist? Is is that something that in your uh a chiropractic position that you're able to do, or typically do you need to refer back to the primary care doctor? How, how does that I, work? I can refer to the orthopedist. Um, generally, I like them to go to the primary care that works with the orthopedist already, so it's like it, it goes smoother, but I can refer to anybody. Okay. You know? So uh, we talked a little bit before about the statute in Virginia that allows you to testify as an expert witness, and um, basically you can talk about the source of the injury. You can talk about your diagnosis, Mm -hmm. prognosis, the treatment, the treatment plan, and whether there's any disability. Mm -hmm. Um, So you you pretty much can can talk about all the aspects of the patient's injury, it sounds like. Most of the spine. um, If I talk about an extremity, it has to be agreed upon before I testify in court. Or else that defense attorney is going to... Yeah, they like that law right there. They're going to pull out that statute. Yeah, they pull it out real quick. (laughs) They're going to shove it down your throat, right? (laughs) So there better be a spinal injury, too. If I I just treat a shoulder, I don't know why you brought me to court. (laughs) But if if they agree upon it ahead of time, then I can talk about it. Okay. And then when you come to court, do you use any sort of visual um, aids? I always bring my notes, and I look over them a lot the night before. (laughs) But uh, uh, sometimes I brought a spine. So, because you're talking to a jury, it's not really a judge who decides the whole answer. There's a jury of your peers, so I'll explain to them like where if they had low back pain, I might point to the low back part of the spine. If they had neck pain, I'd, I'd point to that. I haven't brought it all the time. A couple of times I brought X-rays because it's good for them to actually see. You know, those are pretty much the only aids I've ever brought. Gotcha. You know? 
So we're going to take a quick break. And if anybody would like to call in and ask us any questions about getting medical treatment, especially um, chiropractic care um, or recovering from an accident, and call in to 804-454-1366. This is Raising the Bar, the Law Talk radio show, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks. You've been listening to Raising the Bar, Greater Richmond's premier law talk radio show. Now, back to Raising the Bar. And we are back to Raising the Bar, the law talk radio show. I am your host, attorney Colleen Quinn with the law firm of Locke & Quinn. And with me today is my guest, Dr. Mason Sheehan, who is a chiropractor who runs the company Fit, which is actually really close to my office uh, near Willow Lawn. So we only have a few more minutes in the show. And if anybody would like to call in and ask any questions about getting health care after uh, an accident or injury, call in at 804-454-1366. I'm going to go back to talking a little bit about this this lean issue because it's it's a little bit uh, perplexing, especially for folks that have been injured. Um, and we're going to go back to the example of my my client who uh, we got a forty five thousand dollar recovery on his case. In his case, um, he actually actually was on a, a commercial premises and had a a large commercial um, garage door for one of these storage units um, come come suddenly falling down and whacked him on the back of, of his head and uh, a neck area, which which I imagine would be something that you would treat, right, Dr. Sheehan? I would try. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, you know, the first thing he did was he, he went to the hospital and then he went to see a lot of different medical providers, about 10 different medical providers, including um, a couple chiropractors as well. And so what happened was he had a about 35000 total in medical bills, um, but the most his case was worth was 45000 So when we look at that, we're like, that's how do you slice up the pie? You know, um, how do I get uh, all the medical providers? How do I get Dr. Sheehan paid and who's done a nice job on the treatment? And you probably were the last person he saw that you actually got him better, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and uh, so how do we divide up the pie? And normally what happens is the we have to negotiate with each medical provider. And in that case, we had the MCV lien. So we had to negotiate with the attorney general's office. And um, then pretty much the attorney ends up reducing their their fee because mm-hmm. we want to put I want to put money in my client's pocket. That's you know, I, I don't want them him to have gone through <laughs> all of this for naught. So basically in that case, I think we were able to reduce the thirty five thousand in medical bills down to about twenty two thousand. Um, but we actually had to go to court on um, on the on the M C V lien and get the judge to 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 decide. And then of course it helps when the attorney reduces their fee and the court, the judge sees, okay, the attorney's also reducing, the medical providers are all reducing, and that way we can put a fair amount in the client's pocket. Um, but obviously that's a lot of work because of the liens. So that led, leads to another question and uh, something we were talking about is uh, what do you tell patients when uh, they come to you and they're using the hospital um, or the emergency room as, as almost their primary care physician. Yeah, the hospital seems like it's free, 
but uh, it's not. So I recommend not go to the hospital unless you're dying. Um, <laughs> um, no more than twice. You know, there's urgent cares. I mean, maybe just come out of pocket, you know, for yourself. But a lot of patients definitely use uh, the hospital as their primary care. And what they're doing is they're racking up bill after bill after bill because the hospital is charging you to save your life, even though your life is not in danger. Right. So it's good to go after the accident, you know, may, and maybe if you have some, some, some severe weakness that comes out of nowhere, you know, go to the hospital. But generally, I would suggest, you know, not going there after the first uh, visit or two. And, and I totally agree with that. <laughs> Having had clients come in um, that are using the hospital or the emergency room as their primary care provider, um, easily the bills that the hospital is issuing are 10 to 15 times what it would be if they had just gone to an urgent care provider oh, easy, instead. Yes. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but the weight at some of the emergency rooms can can be pretty lengthy <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes also going to maybe an ortho on call, um, you yeah. know, like advanced orthopedic has the ortho on call also is can be really yeah, helpful. Yeah, I send ortho on call a lot. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. if they're like something happened, I'm like, you can get in today. You right. Know, or you can wait six months to see an orthopedic because they're busy. You go to ortho on call and advanced orthopedic because that's their satellite office and you get right in. Well, and it's nice because especially if you suspect you've got a broken bone, yeah. um, I mean, that's pretty important, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, a lot of the urgent cares will have x-rays and stuff. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the bills are sometimes like 150 bucks. And you get to see someone, you know, you're not dying and, you know, you don't have a $4,000 bill for going to the hospital. Right. Yeah. So I, I broke my leg coaching my boys in soccer. And uh, the Sorry. first thing I did was we'll go to an urgent care instead of an emergency room. And they were able to do the x-ray. And then, of course, after that, I went to the ortho on yeah. call. And, yeah, and and followed that course, and my bills ended up being substantially less than had I had I gone to the emergency room. So you, you're right. Basically, use the hospital only if you know you're you dire. You're, you're right. You think you're having a stroke or a yeah. heart attack or, or something uh, pretty massively severe in that regard. So I was saying before how um, I discovered that there are just as many really bad chiropractor jokes as there are lawyer <laughs> jokes out there. there <laughs> and um, as we start to wrap up the show, uh, one of them that I found says, um, what kind of music do chiropractors listen to? This is really bad. It's really corny. <laughs> Hip hop. Hip hop. That's a good one. That's one of the better ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that. <laughs> so that leads to one of my uh, kind of final questions. Um, when I have gone for a massage treatment or manipulative treatment or whatever, and I, I hear all of that cracking that's going on, um, is that is that supposed to be good? Is that it's usually pressure leaving? It's usually gas okay. bubbles. It's really not your bones cracking or anything like that. It's very similar to cracking your knuckles. Like you crack your knuckles, they're not breaking, but uh, the joints in our spine and our knees and our hips they're just bigger. And so okay. when they move out of alignment, the pressure in there builds up, and it's just it's just a bigger sound. So yeah. say that again. What is actually <laughs> happening? My bones aren't breaking, no, right? It, yeah. It's more like gas bubbles. Okay. Almost like opening up a soda bottle is what I, I tell my patients. There's a lot of pressure in that soda bottle. Like if your vertebrae slides over to the right, there's going to be pressure on that right side inside the IVF where the nerve comes out. Okay. So when it slides, the hole gets smaller, pressure increases. And when you adjust you, you hear that sound. You don't necessarily need that sound to get better, but uh, it does help, I think. Okay. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something's going on. <laughs> yeah. And one last question as we wrap up yeah. the show today. Um, when somebody is out of alignment, does that really happen? Somebody's out of alignment, you can actually kind of get them back into alignment? Each time we move the bone, it moves about the width of a hair. I, I find um, it's usually it's out of alignment because of dysfunction you know, muscle and skeletal dysfunction. So if you can find out why they're out of alignment, I think it helps out a lot more. 
But the manipulation is key sometimes to actually, you know, helping them move better because that bone can get stuck. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. So if I'm feeling kind (laughs) of out of sorts, uh, I'll need to come by your office, (laughs) get that massage and kind of have you put me back in alignment as well. (laughs) Plus I can play with Uh your balls and kettlebells and all your your styrofoam (laughs) stuff that's over there. So we have had a great time today with Dr. Mason Sheehan. Uh, Join us next week for Raising the Bar, the Law Talk Radio Show. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Raising the Bar, Greater Richmond's premier law talk radio show.